0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Actis podcast, a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news relevant to the CDI profession and Actis. I'm Linnea Archibald, the Associate Editorial Director for Actus, and I will be your host for today's show, which is part of our Leadership with Linnea series. In every episode of this series, I'll be joined by one guest from the Actus Leadership Council ranks or a contributor from one of our Actus publications to discuss a topic relevant to leaders in the industry, whether or not they currently hold a traditional management title. I'm thrilled to be joined by Ann Espinoza, RN, MBA, CCDS, CDIP, the Executive Director of Clinical Documentation, Denials Management, Utilization Review, and Patient Education at Frederick and MCW in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to talk about quality and mortality reviews. Anne is an accomplished clinical documentation director with a background in ICU nursing and a passion for optimizing healthcare operations. With extensive experience in CDI and nursing leadership, she has enhanced patient care, regulatory compliance, and financial outcomes. Anne's experience in overseeing and managing the CDI process, implementing best practices, and collaborating with interdisciplinary teams has improved efficiency and patient care quality. Her analytical skills and utilization of technology have enhanced data integrity and revenue cycle management. Committed to continuous improvement, Anne fosters a culture of collaboration, education, and innovation to elevate clinical documentation's role in healthcare. Anne is also a member of our Actus CDI Leadership Council. Also, a quick reminder about the fact that the Actus podcast does offer 0.5 Actus CEUs for the first two days after posting, which can be used towards your CCDS or CCDSO recertification requirements. I will share the instructions at the end of today's show, so stay tuned for that. But before we jump into our conversation today, a brief word about today's sponsor.
1: The 2024 edition of the Actis Pocket Guide is now available for pre-order. The Actis Pocket Guide is the essential resource for regulatory encoding guidance, IPS reimbursement updates, compliant query best practices and standards, clinical validation, and diagnostic definitions. It's co-written by Lori Prescott, Actus' interim director and CDI education director, and Dr. James Manns, a practicing physician at Mayo Clinic, steeped in the latest physician documentation terminology. The 2024 ACTS Pocket Guide offers the latest information CDI professionals need to know, including Fiscal Year 2024 Guidelines, 2023 Coding Clinic Guidance, new provider tips, the latest updates related to social determinants of health, and a new condition, leukemia. Pre-order your 2024 version today so you can be sure to receive the CDI resource as soon as it's released in November. You can use the link in today's show notes to learn more.
0: Thanks so much for joining me today, and I we had the fun opportunity to connect on on this topic and other topics, to be honest, um, in person during that recent ACTUS CDI leadership exchange. And I'm really thrilled to be bringing some of our conversation to our podcast listeners because I think it was a really valuable conversation. I know I took a lot of notes. I saw other people in the room taking notes. So I'm hoping that our listeners will appreciate it as well. Just to sort of set a bit of a baseline, could you tell us a bit about your program and how you're currently involved with the quality and the mortality reviews process?
2: Sure, I'd love to. Um, Thanks for having me, of course, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, Thank you again for having me at the Leadership Exchange. It was great to see you in person, as well as so many others. So how the Freighter CDI team is positioned, uh, we are structured within the quality realm of our organization. So while we review for the traditional CDI impacts, such as the CC, MCC capture, we focus on quality as well. So this specifically includes expected mortality, the expected length of stay, um, concurrent PSI identifications. There's, I'm sure I'm missing a couple other areas there, but the quality piece actually makes up the largest portion of uh, this CDI program at Freighter for our reviews and, and
0: queries. That's awesome. I think more and more over the last, I don't know, probably three or four years, I feel like we've seen... A lot of CDI teams kind of realign under quality. That didn't used to be the case, so it's very, it's fascinating to watch that happen, you know.
2: Agreed, agreed, yeah.
0: So I know one of the kind of big challenges with mortality reviews specifically and then kind of quality related reviews more generally is that they can take up a lot more time than what we would consider like a traditional CDI review. So Why is that and how are you kind of addressing that extra time when it comes to your staff's bandwidth and even just their productivity numbers?
2: Sure. I I hear that a lot, the time component and the bandwidth, productivity, just I think across the healthcare landscape currently, we can safely say that more staff is not the solution that anyone is looking for. That said, I really tie it back to having clear program goals. And assuring that your workflows actually support those goals and those goals alone so there's so many things that cdis can impact and when you get so broad it, it makes it hard to focus on what you're supposed to be in that chart for so to accurately identify what staffing levels you need you first really need to know what you're not reviewing for sometimes and i feel like cdi leaders can really easily say what their percentage of queries are that are financially impact in that query bucket for the month. But I challenge you to look at those non-financial queries that the biggest part of the queries usually that most programs are sending, do they support and tie to your program? Because yes, we can clarify, but if you don't know what your goal is, you're you're really querying for a lot of things. So could you tie mortality into that that other bucket of queries? Um, so it's not taking up more time, but try to to focus that that effort, um, so programs that are considering that mortality expansion into their program or just dabbling in certain areas, um, assure your strategy supported, um, so that your staff can easily identify what's expected of them to find. I feel like once that's clear for them, the rest kind of falls into place.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think so much of it, like you said, comes back to what your goals are, and what metrics you're using to support those goals you know Uh, if all of your goals or your metrics are focused on financials it's probably going to be hard to make the case for an expanded kind of quality review or focus um versus if you have that more holistic view it's going to be a little bit easier to justify hopefully
2: (laughs) right right (laughs) yeah and you know how many you need then
0: (laughs) yes that's also very important um And sort of connected to that staffing conversation, I know that when we talked in person, you had mentioned that you have a CDI coordinator role on your team to help with those more complex, time-consuming reviews. So could you talk a little bit about what that role entails? And have you seen a benefit to having those responsibilities sort of separated out to a specific team member as opposed to spreading them across your whole group?
2: I would say absolutely. My coordinators are amazing. So we currently have two. Um, we're most likely going to go up in an FTE, shift some things around in that area. So, And you've probably seen Alicia and uh, Lisa at ACTUS events. They did posters last mm-hmm. year, but they are pivotal and critical to, to our success on our team. So they, my CDIs really focus on the production piece. I, I need them in the charts. I need them to, to stick to those goals, review for the things that we're looking for. Many of the CDIs are experts in service lines. We have overlap. We call them pods. We rely on those reviews to set the stage for the quality process. Um, and then the coordinators handle a lot of second-level reviews, which I think a lot of programs have dedicated second-level reviewers. but my coordinators do a bit more. They're experts in the workflows of our program. They're pivotal in finding points of efficiencies that help, again, assure our program goals are the prime focus. They're also the primary flow of electronic communication with our coding partners. So when we need to collaborate with our coders, they're our experts. Some of them have their coding credentials as well. Um, they're a pit stop for my team before we go off to coding. And why that's important, the coder team are extremely busy as well. So when we get to the point that we need to connect with our coders, I want to assure that the outreach is one, is it needed? Um, is it supporting you know our workflows, our goals? Uh, but I want to also make sure that what we're asking them has been evaluated. So The coordinators are really experts in our internal coding guidelines, coding clinic, official coding guidelines. Um, They are not the experts, but they're they're really well versed in it. So that by the time they do have to have conversations with our coders, it is a conversation of a clinical picture and a coding picture, which we all know sometimes does not line up ideally. They also are responsible the processes that they they own, so to speak. They're responsible for monthly data reporting out to our leadership group of that. And why that's important is they, they're the first ones to usually identify opportunities, specialty opportunities that we're finding. So it could be a staff member that we're seeing consistently might need some additional support. It might be one of our pods or service lines, or it might be a provider group. We might be able to see that, you know, we're seeing a trend of documentation that a specific provider, maybe if we help them modify their note template that would avoid queries. And um, I think we all wanna avoid queries and get the documentation right up front. So they're really the face for our other customers within our organization. Um, they're again, just very pivotal to the program success.
0: I love that. They're sort of your, they're doing a lot of work. I feel like that I see a lot of CDI managers and leads doing, but in a mm-hmm. more maybe holistic approach because that's their, dedicated role instead of sort right. of a side gig right. if you will yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so i know one of the things that you mentioned the coordinators work on are those mortality reviews. So what sort of variables are they looking at when they're reviewing mortality reviews specifically? And how are they choosing which cases that they should review in the first place? I know that SOI and ROM get thrown around a lot, but there are so many variables that could make a difference from a risk adjustment standpoint that I imagine it can be a little bit difficult to kind of narrow down that focus.
2: You know, I've gotten this question as of recently a lot. I have to say that the CDI staff, the frontline staff are really heavy lifters of our uh, mortality concurrent space and they do an amazing job. Uh, the coordinators actually look at our outlier populations specifically and they, they're focusing on what and why things weren't captured um, again, to take that piece away, to give more info. But a lot of times what we're finding you know, can be that the patients for our outlier populations didn't stay long. So a CDI staff maybe anticipated a potential query need and opportunity, but as we and every other program follows the AHIMA actus practice brief, they might not have had enough at the time to query because they weren't expecting the patient to leave as quickly. So We're really focusing on, you know, getting it in the record, of course, but then how can we prevent it going forward? So we're always looking for that better opportunity the next time we do it. So that's one thing. We do utilize software technology to feed cases with the most opportunity to our staff. Of course, this technology, you know, you can use it for the new cases, but we also, you know, really Use it for our re-reviews as well, and we attempt to, you know, dissuade our our staff and coordinators from setting follow-ups to let that technology help them. We then layer on the coverage piece that, again, the service line pod approach. So that way, we're pairing the technology with service lines, so everybody is getting um, some mortality review component when we're doing what we can with the bandwidth that we have. And I will say, you know, most of the software programs out there, they have an out-of-the-box. Setup, which is probably a great starting point, but again, you gotta loop it back to your goals and make those tweaks um, accordingly.
0: Absolutely, I've heard it described a lot as you have to tune your software in a way to (laughs) kind of what you Mm -hmm. want it to listen to. Um, Yeah, I
2: would agree with that.
0: Yeah, it's. But again, I I know I used this word before, but it sounds like a very holistic approach. It's not just your staff. It's the staff plus technology. It's your reviewers plus coordinators. It's the collaboration with coding. It's a, it's a right. bigger picture, I think, right. is the, the moral that I'm hearing. <laughs> yep.
2: And we're making sure nobody's left out of the pie.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That's the goal. And I know, I, I kind of mentioned this in relation to the coding, which you've talked about with the coordinator role, but I know that these types of reviews are really a team sport, perhaps more so than other types, and they require a fair amount of collaboration between departments. So could you talk a little bit about how you're working with the quality and coding teams on these reviews? Are there other groups that you're collaborating with as well? And why do you think that this is so essential to the success of the effort?
2: Sure, great question. Um, Well, like I mentioned before, we are quality. Uh, We are positioned in quality. Um, And we love it. So it's built into the foundation of this program. Uh, That said, I realize that not all teams are positioned like ours. Um, Your quality partners, they're they're really looking to assure safe care for all patients. Um, They wanna drive change for your organization and they can't do that with noise. And what I mean by that is quality databases, as we know, come from the final code set. So items that make it to the code set that make the patients look too healthy for the stay, um, that aren't actually valid, or if quality care exclusions are don't make it to the code set, it can appear that we're delivering bad care. So partnering with quality and coding is critical in any, Um, anything that we're doing. And I would just say dive in with a quality partner and a coder. You know, Pick one area in your system that's underperforming. Get extremely familiar with the rules, the regulatory requirements. Know them inside and out. Um, And I mean that on the level with quality and the coding. You're going to learn so much from each other. It might not always give you the win you want, but um, I can't tell you how many conversations I am in on that we are describing the quality, or I'm sorry, the clinical, the picture that we're seeing present with a patient and we are trying to fit it into this coding bucket. And sometimes it doesn't exist. So you have to get um, very in the weeds. I always say the gray area, it's not in black and white, but if that clinical picture doesn't fit the code set, you have to partner with your coders. You have to dissect the case. You'll always walk away with a plan for next time and then track your progress. And of course, celebrate your wins. When you see those moments that your metrics or quality outcomes come out and you see any bit of improvement, share it. Make sure that everybody knows that they are doing that. So it, it's not just CDI. It's not just coders. It's not a quality team. It's it's a group collaborative effort. Um, so really celebrate when you you are finding those wins and making progress for your organization.
0: Yeah, I think that piece is so important. And it's I think it really goes a long way to make everybody feel like they have ownership of it too. Mm-hmm. That the win is everybody's win. It's not just one department that did all of the work and it's completely there, you know, the praise belongs to them. It's, it really is a group effort and everybody mm-hmm. can play a part there. I love that. So as we, my last question here kind of gets back to something we, you mentioned. I think in one of our first questions, which is about tracking impact. That kind of is one of the big questions we get asked a lot at ACTUS. is, especially for people who are newer to this whole quality world, it can feel a little daunting to figure out how you track that impact concretely. So how are you tracking and reporting out your impact? What sort of metrics have you found kind of the most insightful? And do mm-hmm. you think that you've learned in this process what you've learned in this process has shaped your team's regular, more run-of-the-mill, traditional CDI reviews too. It's
2: such an important piece to represent CDI value to an organization. Um, I would say for anybody struggling, you know, with what they're reporting, again, start small, um, but you got to stick with it so you can see your trends and assure your software is working for you. Make sure that. Your CDIs are taking impact. And what I mean by that, you know, when you're sending queries, you can't select an option that says clear, accurate documentation or quality and anticipate your senior leadership for that to to quantify that to something. It it just doesn't mean anything. So label those impacts, get into that quality bucket and say, this is mortality. This is a PSI prevention. Um, So you can tie their efforts to what you're doing. Um, in the specific areas. If you are avoiding PSIs by capturing ex- exclusions, label it that. If you're you know, do, doing mortality, label it the appropriate way. Um, it really helps quantify your efforts. And, you know, back to the staffing component and goals, it it shows what the organizational need is. If, if you're sending, you know, 80% of your queries, I'm obviously being dramatic, for, you know, a piece of quality. Um, if that is truly your organization's goal to drive, then it should be reflected of how much efforts you need and how much opportunities out there. Uh, another thing that I am obsessed with doing is just looking back at prior year performance. Um, certain KPIs I, I know like the back of my hand. So I know what areas I'm doing well in. I know what areas my team needs me to pop in and remind them to keep things going, and I also know the areas that we have opportunity. So the op- the areas you're doing well, assure you maintain it. When you see a slip, you you need to figure out why, what what's happening, how do you correct course, and you know have that plan and have several tactics in your back pocket ready to go. But then the areas that you're doing poorly in, again dig in, deploy multiple areas of opportunity that can influence it. And and watch your performance metrics. If they are going in the right direction, you, you're doing it. You're going in the right direction. And again, starting to celebrate when that happens. Um, I can't stress enough that all of our team's successes have been a result of our coding partnership, um, our provider engagement, our physician advisors, my leadership. Um, so partnering with those people and making sure that you are clearly setting the stage so that those persons know what is important to your team and, and how you're intervening.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important. It's that clear communication. And it, the thing that I have heard over and over again from leadership council members over the last few years is benchmark, benchmark, benchmark.
2: benchmark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> couldn't agree you, more.
0: Yes, you have to know where you were to see where you are now. Um, and in order to celebrate those wins, you have to know what the wins are. So it all comes back to, to that knowing where you stand and where you stood. I think that's a it's a great place, um, for us to, to close up here. Cause we have kind of run out of time for our, our chat here, but thank you so much. And this has been really fun. I'm glad that we got to talk again after seeing each other in person. We so rarely get to see each other in person these days. So that was a joy for me. And I, um, I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with me today as well.
2: Thank you. Such a joy always to see you talk to you. I appreciate your time.
0: Of course. And as always, if anyone who's listening to our conversation today has questions about the topic, you can email the whole Actus team. It comes directly to our leadership team here at Actus at info@actus.org, at and I'll also put that email address in the show notes today, which are available on the show page at actus.org and in your podcast app so that you can just grab it easily from there. And now it's time for the Actus update, a regular segment featuring the latest news on what's going On inside the association. The first thing I want to remind everybody about is that the ACTUS CDI scholarship application period is closing on Tuesday, November 14th. So if you're interested in applying, now is really your last chance to do so. This year, we're offering the same four scholarships as last year, which are the Introduction to CDI Scholarship, which awards a recipient a one year ACTUS membership and enrollment in the ACTUS CDI apprenticeship program. The Professional Development Scholarship, which offers the recipient registration to an online ACTUS bootcamp of their choice. The Outpatient CDI Scholarship, which, of course, awards the recipient with registration to the annual ACTIS Symposium Outpatient CDI in-person event. And then, of course, we have the Melissa Varnavis Scholarship, named for our friend and colleague who passed away last year. It awards our recipient with registration to the annual ACTIS National Conference. Once the application period closes, Actus Editor Jess Flegel will work with our Furthering Education Committee to evaluate All of the applications on the basis of professional background and time in CDI, existing educational resources and budget, recommendations from peers, and of course, just the overall strength of the application. It's a really difficult process to go through, but I know a very rewarding one at that. The final selections for this year's scholarships will be rendered by the end of February 2024. We do hope you'll consider applying this year, and just to reiterate, That application closes on Tuesday, November 14th. If you yourself don't want to apply for a scholarship, but you have peers that you would love to see recognized, you can also nominate them for a 2024 Actus Achievement Award until December 31st of this year. For the Actus team, the award ceremony at the conference is one of the most mean- meaningful celebrations we host all year. It is always such a pleasure and a privilege to read about your outstanding colleagues and then recognize their hard work and impact on the national stage at the conference. This year, the awards have been reworked slightly from years past, so I would encourage you to read the full eligibility and descriptions of those awards. But in short, we will be recognizing individuals for the CDI Professional of the Year, Accomplishment in CDI, Excellence in Provider Engagement, the Melissa Varnavis Spirit of Service Award, and the Diversity in CDI Award. You can read about all of those awards, the criteria for all of them, and the application and our selection process at the link in today's show notes and on the ACTUS website. And while I am still on the conference, the applications to submit a poster proposal are also now open until the end of the year. Posters are displayed in the ACTUS conference exhibit hall throughout the event and in the past they have detailed a department-wide project, a new protocol, or a successful educational effort at the poster creators organization. If your poster is selected, one team member will receive $200 off their conference admission and all contributing members will receive 4 acta CEUs for their efforts. My final update for you all, I promise that this is the last one, is that the winter edition of the CDI Journal is now available for our ACTUS members. The November, December edition, which is our last of 2023, focuses on CDI and quality efforts and includes articles on social determinants of health, risk adjustment, tracking quality impact, CDI reporting structure, publicly reported data, and so much more. It would be a great companion to today's podcast episode. It's a really excellent addition, and I know that our editors, Jess and Joshua Raposa, worked tirelessly with our many con- contributors, and I'm really proud of what they've been able to produce. I really hope that you find it valuable as well. Plus, as always, if you are an Actus member reading the CDI Journal, you can claim one Actis CEU for reading the journal and taking the associated quiz. If reading this edition does inspire you to want to write for the journal yourself, we also have a deadline coming up for the January-February 2024 edition, which will be focused on professional development. The deadline for submissions is Friday, December 1st for that edition, and we would be delighted to read your articles. I will put the submission information in today's show notes as well. And that is all the time we have today for updates, but as usual, you can find all the links to those updates I discussed in the show notes for today's episode. To find those show notes, click the Actus podcast link under the resources tab, and then click on today's episode from the list on that page below the show description. Also, as re- another reminder, just before we close out, each Actus podcast episode offers 0.5 Actus CEUs, which can be used towards recertifying your CCDS or your CCDSO credential. For those of you who listen to the show in the First two days from the time of posting. To receive those 0.5 CEUs, go to the show page on Actus.org, just like I talked about a minute ago, by clicking on that Actus podcast link under the resources tab and then clicking on today's episode from the list on that page. Then scroll down to the recording of today's episode and click play. At the end of that video, like all the way at the end, when the timer gets to zero, a link to the CEU evaluation will appear on the screen. Simply click on that, take the survey, and your certificate will be automatically emailed to you. Those instructions are also laid out on the show page, so you can just follow along on there as well. The cutoff for today's episode CEU is Friday, November 10th at 11 p.m. Eastern. After that point, the CEU period will close and you will not be eligible for those 0.5 CEUs for this week's episode. With that, we have reached the end of today's Actus podcast episode. We will be back in two weeks on Wednesday, November 22nd with a new episode in our Talking CDI series, which is hosted by. Actus Director of Programming, Rebecca Hendren. If you would like to receive reminders about each episode, make sure you're subscribed to our free weekly newsletter, CDI Strategies, which always includes a link to the new episode when it's available. You can listen to the show anytime on the Actus website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. All of the links we discussed during today's episode will be available in the show notes. And as always, we would really appreciate it if you would take a minute to leave us a five-star review on your podcast app to help others find our show. Our intro and outro music is Media Noche by Dion Key, and our ad music is Take Me Higher by Jazar, both obtained from the Free Music Archive. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, please feel free to email us at info@actus.org. Until next time, take care, everyone.